for four and a half years? Five, six. Okay. Which is... Oh, yeah, we did, yeah. Uh, which is highly, highly impressive because it's not been um, an easy field to work in in the last few years. Um, Hannah's just legit. Paul met her a few months back and went, she's legit. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I know. Paul was like, we should get her to talk. And I was like, cool. Uh, so Hannah's here. Um, but I really respect your, um, your passion, your endurance. Um, and Hannah's just full of fire, but also gentleness at the same time. Such an easy person to be with and talk to. And so we're really grateful you're here, mate. Um, welcome. And really looking forward to hearing you talk. Uh, before you get into it, are you going to use this one, by the way? Okay, cool. Um, before you get into it, or as you get into it, what is your favorite cafe to go to in town and why? Thanks. <laughs> I thought you were about to ask for my favorite Bible verse. And... Um, and there's, um, I'm a, I was about to describe why I um, get like an internal churning whenever I get asked that question. Um, <laughs> my favourite cafe. Um, there's a cafe called Portershed on Lincoln Road. Has anyone come across that one? That's a good time. Um, Plant-based, which means that you don't pay extra for alternative milks because all of them are al like alternative is normal. <laughs> um, yeah. Hey, thanks so much for having me here. Thank you so much, Seb, for um, that's really, really kind. It is an absolute pleasure. Um, let's open up. I've got um, a verse uh, from John 14, um, and these are the words of Jesus to his disciples. And so let's start with this together. If you love me, says Jesus, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father... And he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads to all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and it doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will live in you. I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Oh, Lord, we thank you for your words. What an encouragement. What an encouragement. I've, um, I found this picture. There's a guy called Weka's Adventures. It's not actually his name. It's just the name of his um, profile, I guess, on Instagram. Um, he's a dock hut inspector. Oh, there we go. Someone knows him. <laughs> so he posted this, um, I think, like a couple of months ago, and it just really tickled my fancy um, because there is actually meant to be a track there. Um, he was visiting a hut that just doesn't get visited very often, I guess. Um, and I thought, isn't that so what it's like sometimes when we think about being led by Holy Spirit? And I'll be honest, I love the outdoors. So this picture actually, to me, speaks of beauty and adventure and just sort of like delight in finding out as you go along. But I also know and when I think back to, to how I felt when I was younger and first just starting to figure it out and knowing what it's like to be in the bush when you're in situations that you're not prepared for if you don't have the right navigation skills if you're not prepared with water and and snacks and the right clothes and that kind of thing if you don't have people with you this picture is where you get lost um, and God has no desire for us to be lost in a confusing kind of way and he um, has given us his Holy Spirit to lead us into truth that's his word. Um, and so anyway, I like that picture for a number of reasons. 
Brooke Lidget would, she was recently in this conversation um, where she said something that I was like, oh, that's so, so good. She said this, how we experience the Lord is determined by what we believe about him. And what we believe about him is informed by what we read about him, what we are praying, there's so much to unpack with that part, and what is being said to us about him. Part of my story is that I have grown up in a Christian home. My, um, my dad is a pastor, which um, doesn't mean anything other than the fact that I spent a lot of time at church growing up. And so there is, there is something about the Christian testimony when you've gone, grown up in a Christian home where a lie can creep in that I believe in God because I was told to, or when I was growing up that, well, I was just sort of doing what my parents did, but I remember the moment that I made the decision to follow him. I was six years old. And I was at a camp uh, that was sort of like a Christian family camp. Like my whole family was there. My cousins were there. Um, and it was in the afternoon. There'd just been some kind of kids program. But I didn't go and find an adult because of what had been like the story in the kids program that afternoon. I met Jesus in my heart. And I needed to tell someone that I knew he was real. That's what's happened. And so what we believe about him for me as a young kid, I'm so grateful that that first was informed by what he reveals about himself in his word. And it was encouraged by people who also love him and were further along the journey. And that's not everyone's story, but for me, that's where I started off. And so I love just kind of reflecting on the goodness of that, that our experience is determined by what we believe about him. And so um, I guess that that question that, um, that I said I get a bit perplexed about when it comes to what's your favorite Bible verse, I know it's meant to be lighthearted whenever it sort of like gets asked. It's normally in a um, sort of like a very lighthearted get to know you kind of way. Um, but internally, I have this panic and I go, but there's not one verse that describes him. And so I can't just pick one. That's the most confusing question to me. Um, so by no means is this a comprehensive list, but I have chucked up a bunch of verses that as a kid so informed my faith, so informed um, what I believe about him and how I've experienced him. So um, sorry for the small print. I ran out of room. Um, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Call to me and I will answer you. I will tell you great and mighty things which you do not know. I am the Lord your God. I am with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He takes great delight in us. In his love, he will no longer rebuke us, but he rejoices over us with singing. You must not test the Lord your God as you did when you complained at Massa. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? The Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. 
I love this one. This is all that I have learnt. God has made us plain and simple. We make ourselves very complicated. I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice, the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. And the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. He knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. And so as Jesus asked his disciples, I put the question out to all of us. um, And I wonder if you would indulge me and just take a moment, if you want to close your eyes, um, feel free to do so. But to, to really just take a moment to reflect on this question, Jesus said to his disciples, who do you say I am? It's an important question. Our answer matters because our experience of the Lord is determined by what we believe about him. Now, I realize um, to most of you I may be a stranger, so um, I'll tell you a little bit um, about myself, I guess. Um, If we can head over to the next one. Um, This is where I live at the moment. And I love it so much. I love it so much. Um, This wouldn't be for everyone, and I do get that. But um, I love the way God works. He's called me to live in a van, and I'm stoked about it. Um, I haven't always lived in a van. When I was was sort of like early to mid-20s, I would say, I don't know why. I just, um, I guess, was living the way that God wired me. And I just became really curious about my attachment to things or my, um, my reliance, I guess, on things. I became curious about whether or not there were things that I was relying too much on, um, or if there were things that I was just doing because I grew up in a world that says you do it this way and that's that. Um, and so I started these, what I used to call challenges. And the challenges were, um, they were sort of like loose and open-ended because... I love to ponder over things deeply, but I don't like details, if that makes sense. Um, and so I would kind of go, oh, well, I feel like we'll just like, we'll try this for the better part of a year so that it's like long enough to feel like you're actually having to figure out how to go without it, um, but not so long that I'm like held down to a date. Um, and so the first thing I did was I got rid of a rubbish bin in my house because I wanted to know was the rubbish I was producing, was it actually necessary? And if I didn't have a rubbish bin, I suddenly was going to have to be very aware of the, I was, it would be all around me. I was going to have to do something with it. Um, after I did the, the rubbish bin thing, it, it changed the way I lived, to be honest. And so a rubbish bin has never gone back into my house. Um, And then I also went for like nine months, I think, without internet. Again, I was just curious what would happen if there wasn't internet in the home. I had internet at work, um, and I had sort of like a normal amount of data on my phone. Um, But life 
kind of changed. Um, it actually was a bit stupid. I was studying by distance. So to not have internet at home, there was like, there was so many reasons why I'm, I'm not really sure why I put myself through that. Um, and I'll be honest, I'm now really grateful for internet. I, and I, I, there's so much value in it. Um, and so that is something that has been returned, but I would say I probably engage with it slightly differently. Um, another thing that I did was I turned off my hot water cylinder. And, um, and, and that basically meant that, I mean, I could turn it back on whenever I wanted, but for like, again, it was the better part of a year, so sort of like 10 months, I think, um, I only had cold water coming out of the taps. And I also didn't really have appliances, so um, if I wanted to like boil water, I literally had to like put water in a pot on the stove. Um, so we did that for a while. Um, yeah, so th there was kind of like a bunch of things. And, and it's just the way that I'm white. There was nothing particularly spiritual about it. Um, but it turns out that it's had great implications for, for later on in life because I have found now that the kind of the process of, of like figuring out what God is asking of me and how I respond to it, I see it kind of through that lens of having figured out how am I attached to things? How do I feel if I have to kind of let something go? But also um, last year, um, kind of a, a strange situation that I hadn't expected came up and it seemed that um, I would be living in a van for this year. And I remember doing like the checklist and sort of going, well, you're going to have to be okay with sort of like potentially cold showers because that might be all you can organise. Um, and there's sort of like, there's no rubbish system that you're going to have access to particularly easy. Um, I had gone for two years without a fridge and so like I was sort of going, you're not going to have a fridge. And as I was going through the list of everything, I was sort of going, do you know what? Uh, I, I've never done it all at once, but I have done all of those things. Um, and don't you just love, he prepares us in advance. So... <laughs> Um, but as I was in my first couple of weeks um, of, of this being my new residence, um, I was reading of the interaction with the, the rich young ruler um, when he came to Jesus and said, you know, what else do I need to do? And Jesus says, sell everything you have and follow me. And I thought, well, that's taken a new tone. Um, so, so that's a little bit about me, I guess, um, just in terms of like what I'm doing at the moment, um, a little bit of my haphazard approach to life. Um, I enjoy um, the fun in figuring out stuff that's like a little bit different to, to I guess, how people normally do it. When it came to my relationship with Jesus, um, it happened sort of in a similar kind of way. It is just the personality he's given me to kind of to figure things out and to um, to kind of take it on as um, there would be things that I would just be curious about and so would then go, I wonder what, and kind of explore it. I don't really remember anything of significance in terms of um, my relationship with God, significant moments between the age of six um, when I made that big decision. And, and it was because I just like I had met him and I knew him and I, I wanted to make a decision about that. Um, until I was in my intermediate years, um, 
and what happened in my intermediate years that really sort of like changed the game for me was I was at a night service um, because my cousin who was a couple of years older than me was getting baptised. And during um, his testimony, he sort of mentioned that, um, you know, like God had spoken, da 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 da, da. Like I, I don't really remember what he was saying, but I remember that he said God spoke to him. And it was like I was smacked in the face with a new revelation because for this whole time, I had believed everything that God had said about himself. I believed that he spoke to people. This wasn't news to me. I believed that he was miraculous. I believed that you could experience the presence of God. But suddenly I was like, this never happened to me. And I realized this unbelief that I had had where I had believed what God said about himself, but I haven't believed it for myself. And so I went home and that night when it was just me and God, um, before I went to bed, I said, God, I believe all this stuff. I want to experience your presence. Teach me how to hear your voice. And in my kid brain, um, I sort of was like, people talk about God speaking through the Bible, and then there's a whole bunch of other ways. So I genuinely listed out, I was like, teach me how to hear your voice through the Bible and all the other ways. Um, and then I said, I want to see miracles. And, and then I just went to bed. It didn't happen straight away. It happened over years. But again, I love his style. He answered my prayer in the order I prayed for it. A few months after that, I experienced God's presence for the first time. And oh my gosh, you could not shut me up about it. I was so excited because it was so good. And I had asked him for it and he had given it to me. And it was that, that beautiful mix of a sort of like, oh my gosh, if that's all I get for the rest of my life, that would be enough. But also, if there's more of that, I want more. And so then after that, I, I remember starting to read the Bible in a new way. And part of it was intentional on my part. Someone must have, have taught me, I must have heard it from someone, that when you open the Bible, ask God to speak to you through his word, to be intentional about I'm, I'm reading your word to hear from you. And I was noticing a difference that when I was reading, and it wasn't every time, but when I read the Bible, I now was hearing from him personally. And so I used to write it down any time it happened, and I had these notebooks. And I love, Paul, a couple of weeks you talked about the person of the Holy Spirit. And Mary's example in Matthew, after Jesus is born and, um, and the shepherds have been, and it says she pondered on all of the things that happened, and she treasured these things. And when we're in relationship with anyone, when we, when we sort of like share good memories with each other, when we tell each other what we appreciate about each other, it builds up fondness, and it's sort of like it bonds us. It's a real bonding experience. And so I have noticed as I reflect back that that's what was happening is that as I read back through my notebooks and I sort of was like encouraged by his word anew, but also was remembering the moment that he spoke because every time I was like, oh yeah, I remember that. And it was like it built a fondness in relationship with Holy Spirit. We were friends and I was learning that I could trust him. I was learning I could ask and would receive 
The next thing is that I asked to hear his voice in all of the other ways, whatever that means. Um, he speaks in so many different ways. The first time that I remember hearing his voice um, for the first time um, was a Saturday afternoon. And uh, that night I was meant to be having just like a night out with my mum. And she had this little purse uh, where she'd said that if there was um, sort of like some spare money, we could put it in there and that would be like our pocket money. Uh, but it, it didn't normally have anything in it, to be honest. Anyway, I was um, I was just like pottering around in my room and then I hear this, this voice, and it certainly wasn't an audible voice, but I somehow recognised, I was like, I think that's God. It's the first time it happened. And what it's, the voice said was, I want you to give your $10 to your mum and do it without telling her. And this is one of the reasons I knew it wasn't me. It wasn't my own thought. I was such a saver when I was a kid. Um, and I didn't have income at this stage. I didn't have pocket money. Like this would have been $10 that I received from my nana and granddad at Christmas. And um, I, I like later on after this had a paper run that I shared with my brother. So paper run money split in half. The first thing that I bought with my paper run money was an oak roll top desk. So when I say that I was a saver, when I say that like this money wasn't for just like blowing at the dairy or the $2 shop, and he's asking me, give your money to your mum, and I'm thinking, oh, I don't want to do that. And again, like I wrestle, and do you know what? It's interesting, there's a different feeling when you wrestle with Holy Spirit versus when you've just like proposed a couple of options to yourself and you're trying to decide between it. It feels different. And I was wrestling with whether or not I wanted to do this. It wasn't a case of you have to. It's an invitation. I had asked to hear his voice. He spoke to me. What did I want to do with that? And again, I had, like I was, I was about 12 or something. I had, I had no idea about all these things. But as I reflect back, I realize what I was wrestling with was, and Ian talked about it, surrender. I was having to choose to give up my ability to purchase something for myself. Because I had everything provided for me that I needed. And even case in point, that night my mum was taking me out, so it's not even just my basic needs, but like I was treated well. And so this wasn't about I needed this money, it was about the ability to purchase something for myself because once I gave it away, I didn't have any idea of when I would have money again to be able to have that kind of control over what I had. I ended up giving it to my mum and that night we went out, we had a nice time, um, we went, it was like Busker's Festival, we were at the Arts Centre and as we're wrapping up she said, she was like, oh should we get some hot chocolates before we go home? She um, went to go get hot chocolates, she comes back to me without them and she says, oh, I'm really sorry they um, don't take FPOS and I didn't think to bring cash. And now I felt a bit awkward because he'd sort of said, like, do it in secret. And I was like, am I allowed to tell her now? And so I was sort of like, oh, I think you should check your, your bag again. Um, and she found money in there. I was like, oh, Hannah, you're so sweet. Um, the interesting thing about that is it's not... 
like the I can see and I could see then how there was sort of like um, I was prompted to do something that met a need that I couldn't have known about, right? But that was not a particularly miraculous thing. I would not have spent my money on hot chocolates. We could have had hot chocolates at home. We would have been perfectly fine if we didn't have hot chocolates. What I love about that moment is that I asked God to teach me, and as a kid learning for the first time, having to step out in faith, he let me practice at home with my mum. The worst case scenario of having stepped out in that situation is that my mum thought I was super sweet for giving her my money. It's the worst thing that could have happened out of that. When we're stepping out in faith, sometimes we have all of these these things come into mind about, oh no, but will I be okay? Am I going to be chucked in the deep end? Am I going to be put in a situation where I'm made to look like a fool and I'm kind of scrambling going, well, I didn't even want to be here anyway. He doesn't work like that. Yes, we have to step out in faith. Yes, we have to confront fears, but he does it in a way that is good for us. And also, he did it in response to what I asked of him. I asked him to teach me. The next day, um, I heard the same voice, and this time it said, check your pocket. And it's weird how, like, I was in my room on my own, but even then, I still was like, this feels really silly. Uh, I checked my pocket, and there was $10 in there. I knew that that was from God, how he looked after me. And again, it taught me so much that I can trust him. If he asks me to do something, he will make sure I'm looked after. Never again have I been in a situation where he's asked me to give something like that and it's been returned in that same way because he's, he's not, you can't expect to know exactly how he's going to work, but you can expect that he will be good. You can expect that he will be trustworthy and faithful to his word. All of the things that he has said about himself are true. Interestingly, I shared my testimony at church that week. And, um, and I again, it was sort of like when I first experienced his presence, I was so pumped. I heard his voice. He spoke to me, and then he chucked $10 in my pocket. After the service, I had... Um, an older man from our, our church family come up to me, and I have no idea what was going through his head. Um, I, I assume, like, I, I, my belief is that it was out of care and concern. Um, he didn't want me to have sort of like a prosperity kind of gospel mindset, I think. <laughs> but he, he came to me and he said, Hannah, you know that, you know, God doesn't actually, like, make money turn up like that. Um, and this is also something that, again, I didn't, I didn't have language for as a kid. But his spirit stirred up inside of me to defend the work that he had done. Because God did speak and God did provide. And the enemy tried to plant a seed of doubt that morning straight away. And we have to stand on what God has done. We have to be able to defend what we know to be true once he has revealed it. There are things that sometimes we don't know it because we, we don't know it. He hasn't revealed it. We haven't experienced it. We haven't been there yet. But when he's done a good work, don't ever let anyone take that away. He is good to us. He's so good to us. 
the next really significant thing that I learned, I was I was in my mid-teens at this stage. You know, youth group had just done um, Alpha together. We had just done Holy Spirit uh, Week. And at the end of that sort of time, there had been an invitation that if you would like to come forward, um, you could be prayed for to receive the gift of healing. And it's interesting, I was sitting off to the side, um, sort of near the back, and and I really was someone that, I didn't, I, I didn't like being front and centre, I didn't like, um, yeah, I didn't want to be noticed, I like sort of being off to the side, and, um, and again, this is where, like, you, you can tell the difference, you start to learn the difference between Holy Spirit stirring up inside of you, and when it's just yourself, so in this case, this was just me, um, I heard this opportunity, and I remember thinking, I really want to be the kind of person that he could use. I really want to be the kind of person that has faith to believe in everything that he can do. And I know that he can heal people, so I, like, I, I would like to be the kind of person that would be a part of that. But then I was going, oh, except for then I have to go up the front, and I don't really want to do that. Um, and also, if he gave me that gift, then I'd have to be in situations where you would use it. Um, and I don't think I really want that either. And so I was, and this is like, there's the difference of like, you, I was going back and forth between my own two options. This wasn't the spirit stirring up in me. This was just me deciding as, a, as, as an individual, what do I want to do? What choices do I want to make in life? And I ended up sort of going, I had already made a decision to follow him. And I had been making decisions wanting to to follow him with everything. And so at this point, I was sort of like, well, this is just another one of those decisions. And I was like, I think I care more about him than about how I'm feeling right now. So I'm going to have to deal with that later. And I'll just go up and, and we'll see what happens next. I went up the front, there was a few of us there, um, put my hands out, closed my eyes, we're being prayed for. I came up with a desire to receive a gift that would allow me to serve him. And he showed me how he feels about relationship with his people that have turned to him and love him and what happened next. Because what happened next is I was utterly flawed, and I mean that in a couple of different ways. And I, I remained where I was, like physically in the room, but in my spirit, he took me into his holy place. I found myself in the very throne room of God, and I couldn't stand. I in the room, physically fell down. Um, thank goodness it was Holy Spirit week and people were ready to catch. Um, but, it, but my experience of being in there, I couldn't stand. I became so aware of a couple of things all at the same time. One was that I shouldn't be there. As in like when you find yourself completely surrounded by his glory, 
what is described um, when, when Moses asked to see his face and he said, you can't, it'll kill you. I was in that going, oh my goodness me, I shouldn't be here. This is not good. Humanity and God's glory, it's just, he's so powerful. He's so powerful. But at the same time, he wanted me there. He was the one that made it possible for me to be there. I didn't ask to, I wasn't, it wasn't like an impertinent question and then I found out actually I've really overstepped here. He's the one that invited me and he made it possible for me to be there. He made it safe for me to be there. What I also discovered in that place is fear does not exist in the presence of God and shame does not exist in the presence of God. Because when I say that I shouldn't have been there, that was nothing to do with me suddenly being like um, filled with guilt about everything that is wrong. It wasn't like there was an account of my sins and I'm going, oh my gosh, like where is the door so that I can get out of here quick? It genuinely just was the mightiness of God is so big. And there is no shame there. His first intention, his first desire when he created relationship with people was that we be naked and without shame. And I, even even with that encounter, have had to struggle so much with trying to understand what that means because we so easily fall into guilt and shame. We so easily can be held back because we're worried that if I get close to him, I'll be exposed. When we get close to him, we find ourselves in truly what he meant relationship with him to be like. And so again, we can trust him. When he says welcome, when he says come close, and there's so much of what he has for us that we cannot receive unless we get close to him. He doesn't, it's not like, it's sort of like a mail order service. He doesn't send stuff to us in the post. He doesn't leave stuff on your door just because you weren't home that day. He doesn't drop something off to a friend thinking, oh, well, they can just pass it on when they see you next. What we receive from him comes from personal relationship. It comes from intimacy. It comes from closeness. He's so good. He's so good. But that day, when I put the verse up there, do not test the Lord your God, it, it really convicted me on what, what that truly means. It does matter that we don't kind of like mess about. If he's convicted us on, on something, it, it's for our good, but also like his holiness the, the pureness of that, we can't mess around with that. It is what it is. And it's important that when he speaks, when he reveals, that we actually just take that for what it is. And that if we're wanting to be in relationship, that we then do the things that have been sort of like given to us to do. 
his invitation is free, it's, it's for closeness, but it's not to be taken lightly. I found that um, prayer without ceasing is not something that I intended to kind of like intentionally try and figure out how to learn. Um, however, it did kind of just, I guess, happen um, and then I started to sort of like notice that it was happening and then I, I was loved anything about prayer. I was, I was there. I just wanted to know more and more. I reached a point where I found myself sort of going to purchase another book on prayer and I remember going, there's another book on prayer, Hannah. Like, should you branch out and pick something else? And then I was like, well, you can never have enough prayer. Prayer without ceasing... There's a couple of things that have happened through having this habit that I now am just, I'm like, oh my gosh, prayer without ceasing. If we can catch hold of that, we could really see some things move. Prayer without ceasing is, is obviously not that we're just like constantly sort of like going on silent retreats or whatever and just like committing time to, to praying. Prayer without ceasing is constant relationship. Because we don't, we don't receive things from praying about it. We receive things from our Father who we're in relationship with. We receive things through Holy Spirit who we're in relationship, and it's all because of what Jesus has done who we're in relationship with. And there's so many things that, um, that have happened through, through not realizing that I was going to pray about it. There's like an unfilteredness that happens when you have a prayer that never ceases, where it kind of just like knee-jerks out of your body, out of your spirit, um, to God because of the relationship you have with Him just in response to what's happening around you. And so you know how like sometimes you're, you're in a situation and you kind of just respond and everyone has to deal with whatever your response is? It's sort of like that, but in prayer style, I found um, when it came to receiving the gift of speaking in tongues, I, 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 I had heard about it, and it was it was similar to the, the the healing thing where I was like, well, like if that's for God's people and that's like a good thing, then I think I want that. And so I went forward in response um, to like a, a thing where if you wanted to, you could you could be prayed for, and um, nothing happened. And so um, whenever there was, like, an opportunity, um, I went along to, um, there was, like, workshops and different things, and I went along, and nothing ever happened. It took, like, two years. Um, and I, I didn't really understand what I was doing wrong, because I was, I was turning up to the stuff where you could learn about it. I was turning up to the opportunities where you could be prayed for to receive it. And I was also praying in my own time and just sort of like doing all the things to be like desperate in prayer for this thing to like prove that my heart was in the right place. Um, and then one day I was, um, and I think the praying without ceasing, it kind of happened without accident because I would like pray as I walked and I didn't have a car, so I walked everywhere. And so I was walking home from work, and I was just praying while I was walking, and then out of nowhere, tongues spilled out. And this was a couple of years. I wasn't asking at that moment, because I was on the street outside the bus exchange. That was like the most inconvenient time for that to suddenly burst out of your mouth. Talk about feel a bit interesting. Um, but also, it was one of those moments where I was like, 
I was, I almost was more annoyed that there wasn't someone around that I knew um, so I could tell them, guess what just happened? Because I've been praying about this for a couple of years. It just spilled out of the relationship that we had. But I'm also so glad that he made me wait because that was an answer to prayer where I said, teach me how to pray. Teach me how to hear you. Teach me how to be in relationship with you. And I needed to wait because I am so grateful any time I'm able to use that language now because of how long it took to receive it. And I'm so grateful because of what I learned in the waiting. I had a couple of years, when I was young and first figuring this out, like these are all cool things that are happening, right? In some ways, it didn't come easy, but it was happening in a way that just sort of felt like um, it was... uh, It was like easy to ingest and digest and all that kind of thing. But then I hit my 20s and I had a couple of years where I couldn't hear him anymore and I couldn't feel him anymore. I never, I knew that he was with me. I never felt deserted. You know, he said, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. But all the ways that I had grown familiar with him were no longer familiar to me. And praying for tongues was was also like in this. And I was like, I couldn't understand why. Spanky Moore um, does a great job of painting a picture that um, explains the reason for like spiritual practices and that kind of thing. And um, I was listening to him one day and he was talking about how when you have a plant, a small plant that you're wanting to grow, Um, You make sure that it has everything that it needs close to the surface. You put it in an environment where it will be able to grow. And then there might be some repotting that happens. There reaches a point when this plant, for it to be able to grow into a big tree, where it's able to send its roots down deep, where there is a necessity for the nourishment that it needs, for the water that it needs to not be at the surface anymore. Because if it's at the surface, its roots will stay at the surface to receive it. And if it's taken away from that surface level, it forces the roots to push down deep. To push down through layers, depending on where that plant has been planted. We don't know what the layers of soil could be like. There could be stones. There could be clay. The roots have to go down deep to find the deep wells. The kind of nourishment that never runs dry. And when I heard Spanky describing this picture, it was about 10 years after I'd had those years of silence. And I had never understood. The years of silence obviously ended, um, but I had never understood why why that had been that way. Like, I'd never really gotten what he had been doing. And I just felt Holy Spirit draw close to me as he described that picture. And he said... It's always for something good. It's always for something good. And again, I am, I am so glad that he made me wait to understand. 
Because there's a lot of things we have to wait for. And what he did was he taught me how to wait. It changes you. It changes your ability to trust when you know that you can wait. It's sort of like when I was moving into this van, all these things that had been done previously meant that the decision that I knew nothing about how it was going to turn out, I was able to go, well, I don't, I don't know what it's going to look like, but I know that I can do th- those things. And so I said yes to living in a van. The number of times now since that where God has put something in front of me and I've gone, I don't really know how that's going to work out, but I know that he's prepared me with enough to say yes to that. Because the way that I now understand, sort of like, you know, it's, he won't test you but beyond what you can handle. I, I don't see that as being you won't be put in situations beyond your control or you won't be put in situations that are too big for you because he actually calls us to be people that live by faith, which means as people that live by faith, we will be in situations that are too big for us. That's the point. He's big enough. What he won't do is he won't put me in a situation, he won't put you in a situation that is beyond what you can rely on him for in the relationship that you have with him. When I was 12 and he was asking me to give up $10, I had $10 to give. I didn't know how to rely on him for what I had been asked to do in the future, but he didn't ask that of me then. At that point, all he asked was, would you give $10 to your mum? I could do that. Later on, he has asked me things that have been stuff that I have sort of in advance gone, I wouldn't know how to do that. Please teach me and ask me when I'm ready. And he always does. And again, it's just like it's that friendship of knowing that you can trust him because the times when he's asked me stuff and I've gone, man, I was looking forward to this point of being able to say, yes, thank you for bringing me here. And please don't mistake, some of those choices have been the hardest I've ever had to make, but he's never asked them before I was able to, and he has always given everything that was needed. One of the most powerful things that I think I have learned is understanding grief from his perspective, and it's not something we talk about much. Um, I, I, ha- I mean, we sort of talk about it in loose terms, but in terms of how God wants us to understand grief, I had, um, growing up, I was sort of very pragmatic, um, and so I wasn't a very emotional person, and in some ways, it actually was more that I, I didn't, like, feel emotions easy, and so I, I began to wear it like a badge of honor, it's like, oh, no, I'm not that, like, I don't really get emotional. Um, that really was brokenness in me, because me not being emotional was actually emotional constipation. Um, I was very emotional. I just was not able to get anywhere near it. Um, I reached a point where grief came up, and it was you're asking questions. Is, you know when um, Brooke said, it's what we pray? 
Oh my gosh, sometimes we interchange desperation for faith, do we not? Where we're just like harping on about the same thing, desperate in our prayers for it to work out the way that we want it. Um, And it's not faith at all, it's control that, Lord, I need it to be this way. Um, I was reading, and I'd like, we'd we'd read it several times before, but I was in a small group and we were reading, um, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And I just remember getting a little bit annoyed, actually, in that moment, because I just was like, Lord, I don't understand. Like, all these times I've heard that, and I've just taken it for granted that, you know, there are things I don't understand, and I said, like, but I know you're good, so that'll make sense, I'm sure. Um, Doesn't make sense to me. But this time, I just was like, actually, no. What do you mean it's blessed to be in mourning? I would never ask, you know when it's sort of like we pray blessing on people, I would never ask for someone to be blessed with something that would cause them to be in grief. I would never ask for that. And so I was getting riled up because I was like, why is it blessed to be in grief? And while I was in the circle full of people, Holy Spirit just ministered to me privately and just said, Hannah, there are things that people will experience of me when they can be comforted by me in their grief that those who are not able to, who are not in grief that way, will never know about me. And suddenly, again, I just thought, thought, wow, that is blessed that we could know things of God through his comfort that you cannot know any other way. A couple of years later, um, in my role, I was in, in my office and teen suicide was something that was really sort of hammering a lot of us. Um, you kind of feel a bit battle weary from kind of just carrying a lot of these things. And I remember, um, again, it was like that prayer without ceasing where it was it was, it was was just like a knee juke. I didn't like sort of go, oh, I should pray about that and ask God. I just was... Um, preparing some information and having to like read some research and stuff and um, and out of nowhere I just was like Lord does your heart ever break and in that moment he he took me from where I was in this room and it was like he placed me in the very center of his grieving heart he placed me in the center of his grief and Oh my gosh, talk about overwhelm a person in all the best kinds of ways. Because what I discovered in his grief is that it's not like our grief. His grief is pure. It is appropriate to be sad about things that are sad. It's a good thing to be able to grieve. And what was different about his grief was there was no hopelessness in his grief. Again, there was no fear in his grief. There was nothing about rejection in his grief. His grief was just sadness for what is sad. What I discovered in his grief is how strong he is. And it changed my willingness to say yes to things that would hurt in the future. 
because his grief is totally different to our grief. The thing about being led by Holy Spirit is that it's it takes a long time and and it can it can feel a little bit like bush bashing through the trees. And part of that is because the way his kingdom works is so different to this earth. You know, the world cannot receive it, doesn't understand him. And for us to be changed, to be renewed, to become new creatures, it takes us a wee while to get there sometimes. We need the time to have a renewal of our minds. And in his goodness, he doesn't just shock us. Because I don't think we could stand if we suddenly received everything there is. But also, it's about relationship first. And in being held by relationship, he continues to give good gifts to his kids. He continues to reveal things along the way. And I, I, I realized anew in that moment when I sort of found myself back in my office again and just like in tears for his goodness, great and mighty things he reveals. The stuff that we don't know, he delights in being able to fill us in on. And the things that it, it hurts us to sort of be misunderstanding about, we can ask him and he is able to reveal in a way that it's sort of like when you understand the words but you just don't get the message. And how often we can read the Bible and understand the words and not get the message. It's by his spirit that he leads us into truth. It's by his spirit that he leads us into truth. And so as we pray, as we read the word, he leads us into the kind of understanding that you cannot access from anywhere else in this world. He's so, so good. I think I have, um, yeah, good. And then the next one. I found, um, I thought, oh, look, I'll just chuck a few um, practicals. He, like, he, he, um, he prepares us in private before he ever asks us to go out in public, doesn't he? It's for our good and for the good of others. What I realized later on was that it wasn't just a process of me learning how to trust God. It was a pros- process of, of God making sure that I was trustworthy as well. Because what he, what he would love to give to his people is massive, like it really is. And we can do a whole bunch of really, um, really bad work if we're not able to be trusted to hold and to carry what he wants to give us. Um, and so he, he does, he puts us through this process. We've, we've got to learn a bunch of things. It's for our good, it's for the good of others. It's for the good of others. And if we're people that are caring about others, we want to be doing the work. It's not just about us. Um, and so practicing in private, centering prayer, I found to be really helpful in other prayer practices. Um, I found that 
being able to access things like counselling and um, there's like Soul Tour, which is uh, a sort of like a Christian um, process of doing that. Really, really helpful stuff. Being able to just like um, get as many opportunities to grow ourselves and to to be able to like follow after him. Finding as many stories of other Christians and how God has worked through their lives, really encouraging. Seeking words of knowledge for stuff that, you know, people, they don't know about. And so asking God to, to give us insight about things that, um, that we don't know about. Trusting that he can give us information we don't know. And finding the balance between that confidence and that humility. He calls us to step out in faith. We've got to be confident in that. But to be humble in knowing what is he asking us to do. And so just that final one, we go back to that verse, that passage that we started on. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads to all truth. I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. God will not leave you helpless. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives in you and later will live, he lives with you and will later live in you. You know, Jesus, um, in, I think it's Romans, says, don't become so well adjusted to the culture around you that you fit into it without thinking. The world doesn't recognize him. The world does not have good advice about how to follow God. And finally, if you love me, obey my commandments. Honoring his kingship with our lives and our choices matters. And so, worship team, could I ask you guys to, to come up? We want to be able to respond to him this morning, don't we? And that could look any number of ways. Um, like um, there's opportunity to be able to pray with each other. You know, you might have come with someone that actually you just want to pray together. You might want to be, be prayed for. And so there'll be people here that if you would like to receive prayer, um, we'd be so willing to pray with you. And it might be that it's just a quiet sitting with Holy Spirit, hearing, responding to what he's doing. And so we just want to open up this space, say we respond to him. It's about the individual as well as the corporate. So you guys have a say in how that looks. It's always our choice. So you get to choose how you want to respond to him this morning. Let's worship. Thanks, Anna. In a nifty wee way. <laughs>